Hello and welcome to Curtain Call, episode 5, The Essence of a Radio Drama. On this edition of our podcast, I was lucky enough to sit down with Jonathan Shorthall and Alejandro Nicholson. We'll be discussing the methods, the ins and outs, and everything in between when it comes to writing and directing a radio drama. We'll also be reflecting back on their two wonderful pieces that they created for No Drama Theatre and for Curtain Call, Hard Boiled, which was Jonathan's noir detective piece, and Wine from Greenland, which was Alejandro's very surreal and wonderful piece. Both pieces were fantastic, and I was very happy to discuss the making, not only of those two pieces, but the essential ingredients that is needed to produce a quality radio drama. A, a number of reasons why actors run back to, to radio drama, as, as I love to do whenever I'm asked. You, you produce a piece of work very quickly, um, which from an acting point of view is, is very appealing. Sometimes you know you can be in a run in the theatre for months on end or you can be stuck in a film set for months on end. And, and what, whilst that's a, a wonderful and very uh, uh, cherished part of this uh, career, there's something nice about going into a studio and in the course of two or three days producing a piece of work. David Tennant there reflecting on radio drama and how he loves it so much. But onwards with no drama and court and call. And joining me on this week's court and call is Jonathan Shorthall and Alejandro Nicholson. And they, of course, are the fantastic writers and directors of our previous two radio plays, Hard Boiled, which was written and directed by Johnny, and Wine from Greenland, which was written and directed by Alejandro. Gentlemen, welcome to Court and Call. Thank you. Happy to be here. Pleasure to have you on. We'll just talk about the two plays and just a generalisation of drama and radio drama specifically on tonight's podcast. And the elements of drama, its basic building blocks, I suppose, are what defines the elements of it, the key ingredients, you could say. And they would be the role, like the characters in the play, time, when or where the action takes place, the action itself, what happens in the drama, the tension, the conflict within characters and between them and their environment. And then, of course, the focus, the ideas, the feelings or the characters that the playwright wants to concentrate on in a particular moment. And Johnny, I'll just talk to you first about Hard Boiled. I mean, that was, although it has comedy elements, it was kind of a classic radio noir drama. What inspired you? Because I know it was it was put on before and there was other productions of it, but this was the first time it was done for radio. Any tips or insights on the inspiration? What inspired you to write it and how you came about it? Uh, so, like, originally the idea was, it was originally a shindig piece uh, we did. God, it was about seven years ago now. <laughs> That's scary saying that at this stage. But it, it was actually meant to be, it was, like, kind of a parody of old radio shows, like, you know, the old Philip Marlowe kind of, like, detective novels or, like, you know, the old hard, hard-boiled noir kind of detective films you'd see, as well as if you're on the radio. So we wanted to get that feeling across of someone who actually, like, it kind of lives in a weird universe where it's, like, that person thinks once they live their life like that, but has actually no interest in actually being a detective, like doing any of the work of it mm-hmm. and actually just lives in like, you know, modern day Seattle, you know, but then weirdly enough, everyone else in the universe seems to go along with them. Like, you know, like the femme fatale comes in and stuff. So that was the kind of idea I wanted to get across. And yeah, like the inspiration, I just sat down and listened to a load of old kind of like that kind of radio show and just kind of get that feeling down, you know. Oh, excellent. And Alejandro with Wine from Greenland, Excellent piece, by the way. I just have to add in Hardball is excellent too, but this Hardball had been on before. This was new territory for you. I know you've written and directed other pieces before. Box and Boxes particularly were your last two pieces. So I kind of thought this was like a little trilogy. There was an element of surrealism surrounding them, especially in Wine from Greenland. I'm trying to capture that. Was that easy or difficult for you to do as it was your first time directing something for radio? Hey, actually, this play, Wine from Greenland, I, I put it on stage. Something oh, really? Like, oh, yeah, in, in Berlin. That. 
oh. in Berlin, something like four years ago. The, it was, the, the big part that was different was uh, in, in the transition when they go through, from the restaurant to, to Greenland. In the original play was, kind of, was a section that was physical theater and involved uh, like dancing and singing in Greenlandic. And I, I perform actually, I perform with a friend of mine. And oh, we wow. took our clothes off. So it was a really, really, really amazing part. I, I enjoyed so much. Confused a lot of my friends that saw the piece. So for me, the big uh, challenge was how to adapt that part that is so visual to radio. I think the wonderful thing of radio is that you, you're done not, you don't have the limitation of budget, uh, of costume, of all, all that. You can go, you can play with the imagination of, of the listener. Sure. So that's why I, I was for, for a long time looking for soundscapes in internet. Like you can find really cool stuff if you go and if you know where to look. Yeah. And I think that's the fun thing, you know, just to, it's a new, it's a, for me, it's a new medium. So I find it so fun to experiment and to try new things there. Excellent. And what inspired you to write Wine from Greenland? Um, Actually, Wine from Greenland, you're right, is part of a trilogy. But it's actually with two pieces that I present also in the Shindig, a Work in Progress and The Visit. And they are all related with the theme of freedom. Okay. That is something very interesting for me. So while in Work, from, work in Progress is about freedom from a more philosophical point of view and The Visit deals with religion, this lead with like how the things we have and the things we, we enjoy limit our choices, you know, in a good way. But at the, at the end, it's some kind of limitation. So I think I started with that and I just follow the line and follow the white rabbit to whatever it took me, to Greenland. Hmm. Down the rabbit hole. <laughs> to wonder yeah. the side of the mirror. That was fantastic, <laughs> fantastic stuff. Because in the radio drama, the playwright really needs to let us know those elements through different means we can't get that information through our eyes so radio drama is essentially obviously it's heard and not seen writing the radio plays about painting a picture almost with words and sounds i suppose it's, it's quite different from writing for stage and when you're writing a stage production it's very very it's obviously more visual how did you find intricacies of of doing it on stage and on radio were they vastly different for you or was there elements that overlapped basically was it easier to do it on stage or do it on radio it's true. There are a lot of things that overlap, but for me, the, the big difference was uh, the dynamic is quite different, in, I found, in radio and on stage, especially the silence. Yes. The silence yeah. in, in, on the stage is so powerful, you know, because stop talking and suddenly it's all image, it's all stage, it's all the actor. But in the radio, I feel that you can have the same effect, but the silence has to be much, much shorter. Yeah. Because you... You know, unless you have some kind of, you feel it with some sounds, but the dynamic in the dialogue, I find it that was quite difficult, uh, dif uh, different than from stage. Yeah, it's, fun. it's funny as well when you're in the editing room, I think when you can, when you have control over the silence and, and, and the pace things come in at, especially when you can just, you can see the silence in front of you. Yeah. And you can just go, let's just get rid of all that. <laughs> let's just go come right into the next line. Oh. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's. It's interesting, right? But it was interesting what you were saying about making it shorter and, and fewer characters. Because they do say a, a radio play generally has fewer characters than a stage play. Yeah. That's yeah. partly because it's easy for an audience to forget who the characters are if they're not speaking frequently or obviously they can't be seen. 
And it's difficult for an audience to distinguish between the number of characters by voice alone. That's why it's important to have very distinctive characters and distinctive voices. And Hardboiled definitely had distinctive voices and distinctive characters, Johnny. It was amazing. Casting, I mean, you were those the same cast members that you had used beforehand? or Yeah, you- so that was the original, uh, the cast we went on the uh, one-act theatre festival a couple of years ago with. Um, so it was interesting coming into the rehearsal room again. It was like getting the band back together and a feeling, you know. But their voices always kind of, it, it always came to me in the writing. I think that's something that um, when I wrote the play, I really learned for anything in stage, or even stage or for prose or anything. Get it, when you're writing a character, getting down their voice in your head is so important. It, it makes the creative process so easy then. Not easy, but easier when you can just feel that what, what the words they would say in it, like how they would, how they go about a situation, how they respond. Once you get that feeling down into a script, it makes life for you and the acting so much easier and so, so much easier as a writer as well. And the, the nice thing with that is that, with, especially with a radio play, like you were saying, you kind of need to lean into these things a little bit more to, to make it more memorable in your, like in your audience's head. So lean into archetypes or lean into like, you know, well-known kind of areas, you know, that you would know. Like one of my favorite radio plays is called um, From Eden and it's set in a New Year's Eve party in an attic where two people don't want to be there, right. you know? And like, you can immediately imagine the situation right away. Like, you know, yeah. you don't need to have like, you know, an attic on stage or anything like that or, or like, you know, you just, okay, it's a New Year's Eve party. You have like a champagne bottle going off in the, in the background, some party talk and then the door slams. It's like, right, I know exactly where I am. So, and that's, that, that's something that carries over, I think, um, you see it a lot when you see people approach stage for the first time. Yeah. Um, when you come in, I'm sure everyone's had this experience when they're doing their first shindig piece. And it's like, if, if it's in a cellar or something, they want like, hey, I have to have like a pipe going across the top and then a puddle in the middle of the thing or else sure. the audience won't get it to like, you know, a cellar where it's like the experienced hand director will come along and say, okay, we'll have like the sound of like a leaky pipe. Yeah. And we're there. We, we don't need any more. Working with kind of on this medium really helps nail that down for you the power of, of what I can do yeah no, definitely and I mean dialogue is essential to define sounds as well if it's going to be here yep. especially as you were saying with the shindig peaks you know pieces if you really want to get the point across without actually having if you don't have the budget or the means to create the actual literal props or, or situation because a listener might interpret a sound in a different way or a number of different ways unless there is actually dialogue from the characters to set the scene and I suppose you can add in mute music and as you did with, with uh, Hard Boiled as well and for an example, the sound of an engine could be interpreted by the listener as either the sound of a small car or a van or a truck or whatever kind of vehicle. It could be a Rolls Royce even. But unless the dialogue is added, that makes the image suggest that the sound, and basically it makes the sound and the, the scene clearer for the listener. Um, both yeah. you guys captured that perfectly, I have to say, both in Hard Boiled and in Wine from Greenland. Because, I mean, you used some sound beds. In the radio world, they're called beds as well. I don't know. Sound files, Alejandro. I forget ambiance. There was, there was a weird ambiance sound you used and stuff. But it was fantastic. It was really atmospheric. And you were saying it to me, like you were emailing me back and forth saying, can we use these sounds? Can we use these sounds? <laughs> and I have to check and there could be copyright issues and whatever. But I think if we found out if you just, if you credit them, we can use them for free once you give credit as to where they're used and where you got them from, which is fantastic. So hopefully we'll be able to use more of those in some of our upcoming plays as well. I always find it's fantastic to create the sounds if you can. They'd be like a madman, like recording, stamping on the ground or stamping on boxes. <laughs> Authentic sounds is the best sounds. But I mean, if you can get them as well for free, copyright free, it is fantastic. And the use of sound was used perfectly, both in Hard Boiled and in Wine from Greenland. So going back to dialogue, I suppose, writing dialogue for a script is kind of, it's very different from writing prose. Words need to sound the way people speak. 
for this reason, it's a good idea to say the words as you write them so you can hear them and they sound the same. They sound alike. Spoken sentences are often shorter than written ones or they could be fragmented. People don't always plan ahead when they're speaking. So strains of thought might not be well organised in conversation and particularly at moments if there's conflict or tension within the script and in the play. The words that the character use, I guess, will tell the listener about the character's background and the importance of the background and the backstory is quite, it's just as more as important as the forefront of the story. This sort of information might be shown, if it was on stage, it could be shown through costumes or movement or something. So it's very important to use that in sound as we want to, the audience who's listening to the radio play to know about the character, the kind of language that the character would use and basically give the information to the, to the audience listening. And I guess it's, it's changing that, adapting that for radio, I think would probably be difficult the most. I don't know, guys, what you, if you had experiences of that or... Yeah, no, definitely. Because when you're on stage, you have so much more to work with. Um, whereas, like again, you're, you're stripped down to just dialogue and sound effects and, and, and yeah. background information. Um, so in a way, it's kind of like going from, I, I suppose the analogy would be going from like, um, you know, biology to chemistry to physics to mathematics. You know, each one mm-hmm. is like a kind of pure refined version of this. Like, you know, I think in some ways, kind of this is kind of a more like refined version or like boiled down version of like a stage play. You know, yeah. um, where like everything has to like, and that means that like the dialogue is even more has to carry even more of the weight now. You know, so every yeah. word has to be even like in a, in a stage play, every piece of dialogue is much more important than in a novel because it, it carries so much more weight. And in, in an audio drama, it's even more important. Like there can't be every single word in a piece of dialogue has to carry some kind of do its part. You know, absolutely, absolutely. And it's important as well with action as well as just to follow on from that. Because an audience can't see what's happening on stage, you need to tell them. Characters, they do describe what they're doing, but if they can't see that, there has to be another way through sound to describe what someone is doing or the use of sound or voice. In some ways, there's fewer boundaries, as you were saying, Alejandro, you know, for doing it on radio as opposed mm-hmm. to for what can happen in the, in the radio play than on stage. But characters can, I guess, leap tall buildings, walk on the moon, you know, explore deep under sea without needing stunt doubles or special effects. So it's good in that way. Whether in a radio play or even on stage play, action is still about what happens and what, what the piece is, about the core of the piece, the centerpiece. It's about what happens with the characters, how do they respond, and basically how it all ends up. And radio play scenes tend to be shorter than stage plays and kind of snappier now with the modern age. I guess this is because radio plays tend to be shorter than stage plays, as we've mentioned, but radio plays don't have as many pauses in the dialogue for action. As I said, it's, it's important to keep it snappy. And I guess when you're, I don't know, if I was writing it, I don't know if I would be, I would be wary of that. These weren't, I mean, these weren't originally pieces, weren't originally written for radio. I guess if you were going to be, and I hope you are going to write for more radio pieces, because we're probably going to be doing more of them in the next year, despite the outcome of COVID, <laughs> including myself, I'm hopefully aiming to do one in the new year. Would you be mindful of that? The snappiness, the more elaborate use of sound and basically thinking differently as opposed to what we would normally be used to writing pieces for shindigs or for stage. We've become more technical yeah. and more alert, I think. Yeah, I think if I, I mean, I really, really want to keep writing for radio and I think I would definitely try to focus or, or to, to try start trying new things with the action. You know, of course, of course, you're right. You have to rely a lot in the dialogue to define the characters. But I think, like you were saying, you know, you have a sound and different listeners can interpret it in different ways. You can yeah. really play with that. You can really play with the subjectivity of the listener. And I would really like to, to use the sound not only for conveying action, yeah. but also for maybe defining something that is not concrete. Okay. 
and leave, leaving that space for the for the audience to interact. You know, mm. it's something that is is done now, like in in more let's say experimental theater or like, let's say physical theater. Sure. That I really like that each each. Uh, member of the audience can have a different interpretation of what's going on on stage, depending on your own experience. So I think it would be interesting to do something like that in radio. Absolutely. Because the, the thing is, with it, like, that's why I think like a lot of murder mysteries, like old radio shows, so much of a murder mysteries that you like in stage, if you would have a murder happen in a room, you have to show something of it. You know, you, like, if you don't, then you have to hide it somehow. Whereas with radio, like you could have the murder happen right in front of your ears one of a better word you know <laughs> or a better phrasing of it but you that's could say you can yeah you could still have it happen right there but you wouldn't know what's going on you can exactly. actually um, that's something that, like alejandro saying you could definitely that's lean cool. into more as well like uh, an unreliable source of what exactly is going on and mm. um, it's, it's a very interesting concept right definitely i'm a hairball especially i mean uh, the old school murder mysteries and the noirs especially it, in your head because it's so s- cinematic and we obviously I would have very clear visuals of Humphrey Bogart and those old movie stars Barbara Stanwyck Fred McMurray those people mm. you can almost see it as it's playing out your head and you can hear the dramatic music and you can hear the, the strings rising and the shadows on the wall and the blinds opening and trying to interpret that in your own head through sound is is amazing I think and it's, it's fantastic to pull off it's all about atmosphere I guess yeah and that's it like um you it, when you can lean into that kind of stuff in a play especially in a radio play like this you can really let the audiences imagination do a lot of the heavy lifting for you you know you really can and that's something that i, I think especially when you're sticking to something genre like it, it's something more abstract like what like Alejandro does obviously he has to put a lot more effort into kind of like bringing you through the journey you know whereas yeah. i just have to tell you that the room smells of whiskey like you know and, and you you know exactly what kind of a character you're dealing with you know what's great about a radio play as well is is it's more becoming more and more snappy but if there's gaps in the dialogue you know, sometimes you can fill it with music, fill it with sound effects just to further develop the mood and help, I guess, define the setting of the scene. When it comes to time and place placement, there's no set to show the audience where the action is, no backdrop or whatever. A radio scriptwriter must create a picture for the listener using a combination of music, sound effects and dialogue. And I hope if people are listening out there to this podcast who are thinking about submitting radio plays for an audio, be it for an audio drama or for, for elsewhere, they take that on board because I think it's really, really, it's a fun kind of task to do. And I hope people who are involved in audio drama will get more and more involved with the writing and collaborating and even acting with the, with the radio plays. Because characters, they need to be talked about and they need to, they need to talk about where they are and what they see and more frequently than in a stage play, which is what everyone is kind of used to, I guess. I guess it's similar to some of the dialogue, and you could even say like a Shakespearean play where originally the use of set and scenery was very minimal. The actors told the audience what time of day it was, where they are, and I think hopefully it will change the way people write. Sometimes I guess maybe people get lazy with their writing, but I guess it's just modern, I suppose. It's another way to put it. Um, I think we might have to go back to basics a little bit with the writing. But the advantage of a stage play is that you can set your play in any place and any location you choose to. Uh, and those locations can, can change quickly. You can end up in Greenland, like Alejandro did. <laughs> Some words and sounds. Yeah, ha- I mean, we have endless amount of sound effects now. Use evoke the time, evoke the date, the season, the location, the area. Put it all into it, and yeah. roll I, it I think that's a that's a reason why sci-fi was such an early prominence, at such an early prominence. It still does in radio drama because, like, very much, you're not limited to like a budget or a set budget or a costume budget. I think that's that's a really untapped space. The same with um, fantasy as well, like there's not many fantasy theater plays just because like, like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff doesn't really translate to the stage that well. Uh, it can do very well. We've, and we've done it before, but 
it's a very difficult process to do. Whereas like, if you want to be in an old fantasy castle straight away, yeah. you just, you're just there, you know? And there. Um, and that, that's why I think to anyone listening who hasn't tried writing theater before or wants to try it out, I do think writing for sound and stay or writing for a radio, sorry, is, is definitely, it's definitely something that you can start doing because you're not limited to like, if you're inexperienced in, in, in putting something on stage, you know, you could, you could run into an obstacle, but you come up with a really good script and you hand it to direct and say, this just will not work. Yeah. You know, like you have like, you have like 20 sets, set changes on like, you know, like in 15 different countries, you know, like that's, sure. that's great. But, um, you know, it's not going to work on a stage, you know, exactly. <laughs> and I've been there radio, there's no limit to that, you know, and you're, you're yeah. working with so, uh, like just one or two tools that you would use on um, stage. So, and, and the nice thing is once we come out of it, then when you go to, to go onto stage, you're going to be a master at that. Then you're going to know exactly how to put a sound effect in and where you want to put it into the play, you know, and then those other elements you can add in later on. Because a lot of the guys, even the younger guys are saying, like, I don't know how to write. And I was like, well, you do. You just haven't tried it yet. It's like, I want to write, I want to write, I want to write. And before I would have been like, I don't know what I would have told them, but I think with, as of becoming more and more involved with the radio plays, I would say if you're going to start out, start out with the radio plays. I mean, it's endless possibilities, I guess, yeah. with writing. The, the possibility with, frankly, the, the removal of the need to uh, memorise actually invites and requires that you are more detailed and obviously you work for a medium that is a sound medium and and there are different ways and different technical challenges for uh, for delivering whatever you think is the right kind of uh, performance it's a very different technique to uh theater or film and there's a there's a there's a very technical aspect to 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 radio um and everything comes down i mean it's an obvious thing to say but everything comes down to that voice and to that, the, your relationship with the text in front of you. There's something very magical about it. It does invite you, as even film, but certainly the theatre does, to, to enter a realm of imagination that means that you're a very active participant. Kenneth Branagh and David Tennant are discussing the art of a radio play. In the second part of Court and Call, I will be discussing with Alejandro and Johnny acting for radio, as well as other aspects of the art form. We'll switch on to acting for radio. That's different, I suppose, because one of the main differences between a stage actor and a radio actor is that a radio actor relies on voice to convey a character, whereas a stage actor also uses body and space of movement. And you kind of covered this with, I covered this with Shane about acting for camera. You never really covered acting for the microphone. <laughs> In the use of voice, the advantage for a radio drama and a radio drama actor is that there's, there's no need to project, which some actors probably would find a little bit daunting. Any insights on that, do you think, or any tidbits or nuggets you could provide if anyone was listening who wanted to become involved in more of the acting side? Uh, Alejandro, I know you said you acted in, in your piece first on stage. Yeah, like, um, it's true that radio, I think with, that with radio, you can play with certain things that you cannot play on stage. Yeah. You can whisper, you can, you can move around, you can play with the pan of, of, the, of the headphones. Just uh, in, in post production, and I think yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite more, it's more subtle, I believe. You know, in theater, you you have to do everything so big yeah. because you're a stage. You know, it's bigger, larger than life. You know, but in theater, you have to bring it down because I I, I guess that whatever you do. It will. It's like it's a bit like camera. You know, in in camera, they, they say you you almost have to. Like your expression has to be almost, almost null, you know. Yeah. Contrary to theater, so I think it's something similar to, uh, to the voice between theater and and radio. 
definitely, definitely. And I mean, actors in a radio drama, they have to have contrasting voices so that the audience can tell one another um, from, from another. They can tell mm-hmm. the difference. Actors need to think about how the character's voice will sound and what the listener will learn about the character and the action in the play just from the voice alone. So I guess it is similar to acting for camera because when you're acting for camera, obviously it's about your, your, the placement of your body and your voice as well, but also the angles and your face and, and then the sound. The sound is the main important so that things can be synced together and it's audible. People can hear it. The radio actor must have the same clear picture for, of the role. It's ironic because they have to have the same mindset as if they were going to do it on stage, but have to be wary of your voice and know the fact that they're not in costume. And, and basically, just it relies heavily, very just on the voice, put it all into the voice, make that distinctive and just have the clear image of how you're going to portray that. And there's no such thing as a facial expression. So it has to be a voice expression. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think a key thing is to, to treat it as if you're going to go on stage because uh, yeah. You have to like get into your mindset and like even though you're in the you're probably in the same place like I've been for the last nine months, you know, it's like sure. if you if I'm like <laughs> I'm recording this in my bedroom now, I, I like it's very difficult to kind of get into a character when you're like, okay, yeah. I, I, I I've woken up here, I've, I've lived in here. Um but I think doing the same things you would do for stage, going through a warm-up, getting into your character, like you know, getting really comfortable with the lines and, and experimenting with them uh, is absolutely key. Absolutely. And I, I think that is the the, the the paradoxical thing you would think that like surely that like ca- working for camera is going to be the complete opposite for working for voice but yeah. because you get it's pre-recorded because you get that chance to kind of go back and do it again and again and again it's really important to like um put as much variety into that in the preparation as you can you know to figure out exactly how you want the lines to come out and how to explore the lines with your character you know and figure out different ways that they will respond to things through the dialogue yeah very much so very much so the learning curve, I'm telling you. But we'll get there in the end. We'll be expert. Oh, absolutely. After like, that, radio yeah. dramas by the end of it. Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Just to touch it upon both of your pieces again, about the cast, as you said, radio plays normally have a, produce a smaller cast. Was that just, I, mean, well, I suppose those pieces, your, your pieces were created for stage. I think it just worked out as a maybe probably happy coincidence that they were fairly small. But especially the characters were very atmospheric in, in Hairboiled. And was there a procedure that you guys went through to get that voice down, to get those characters down? specifically for the radio version, obviously, how it differed from, from stage. Because they were really distinctive and, and clear and, and the, the ambience of, of that kind of, you could imagine you were back in the 1940s, but it was really doing that well. It was funny for me, actually, because um, we recorded over Zoom and everyone just had their own microphones. Yeah. Um, so there was kind of varying um, uh, levels of sound quality in the thing, which actually worked out very well because it sounded like some like, like it, was a, it wasn't as crisp and clear. Because I remember... We re-recorded some lines then, and then I think everyone had, I think particularly Malcolm had a really good microphone. And yeah. it just sounded like he was in a completely different world to everyone else, you know? Um, so getting, even that, getting that down, that that feeling of like, not only how the lines are going to be recorded, but what you can do with them after it, like, you know, uh, what, what you can do to make the effect of it sound so different is really key. Uh, it's it's something where it's worth putting an air or two of, I just want audacity, just messing about and figuring out what the tools are like, because you can do so much with just it's such a simple tool. You know, there's like yeah. there's so many different tools in that toolbox. That's more into editing now than it is into um, acting. But yeah, but no, it, it, it flowed really, really well. And same for you, Alejandro, too, with Wine from Greenland. Um, the, the characters you had, the actors really were fantastic. Andre Hill, particularly, very contrasting characters. The story of the two friends. Um, I won't give too much away. It's spoiler alert because we're still encouraging people to, to download and listen to our, our radio plays if you haven't done so already. 
but the the contrast between the characters was really distinctive and even with the voice Andre had a very strong I guess you could say kind of well-to-do posh kind of laid back you know he was kind of a gentleman in the situation where we were, even though it was very calm and clear but you could tell he was the the baddie but the, the protagonist I think maybe. also yeah maybe I, I, Andre would, would agree with that one but <laughs> I think uh, I think um, yeah, these both characters are, are quite opposite. Yeah, like Ant and Ian, uh, they are all they are like like when I wrote them, they were like both part of reflection of who I, who I'm still am. You know, one is all about like partying, traveling, and not having like responsibilities at all, and the other one is about like having a job, uh, having a partner. Both things that are op- opposite, but. I mean, we both need, okay, at least I want both, you know? Yeah. And um, actually, Rahul and Andre, I got them because of a Shindy piece. Actually, your Shindy piece, Sean, when they were playing the brothers. Oh, uh, the singer, yeah. The singer, yeah. The singer. So I, I love their their chemistry at the, in that place. So when I was thinking for these two, they're friends, but they're almost like brother. So yeah, yeah my mind went right away to that to that piece. That, that's the reason why I asked them to, to do it. Fantastic. No, they do have good chemistry, and especially on stage and in radio. You could mm-hmm. tell it from the radio piece too. Um, the chemistry was there, so very, so good choice. <laughs> and when it just comes to the actors, I guess someone was talking to me about this recently, and I can't remember what, what brought it up, but it was about podcasts and broadcasting and radio. And someone was like, oh, well, you don't really have to learn your lines because it's in front of you and you're recording. And I was like, well... You could be the lazy person and do it that way, but I always say still learn the lines and know them off heart by heart if you can. Because technically, actors don't have to learn the lines, really, for a radio piece. Actors can read the lines from a script because you're not seen by the audience. But I still think you can tell. Actors do have to be very familiar with their lines and have to be somewhat rehearsed uh, for just for the pacing and the flow and how they're going to use their voice and tell the audience about character, about their character and also the action. What do you think about that? Do you agree or disagree? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like... Yeah, the pressure is off to like have your lines in verbatim. Like, you know, like if yeah. you need the script there just to see what your next line is, that's absolutely fine. But you should have like a, like a, absorb those lines, you know, like sure. you should have a full composite of the character in your mind when you're doing it. Um, and that, that's the advantage of doing this is that you have access to that kind of like, it takes some of the pressure off of having to perform absolutely live. Like, you know, if you're in the middle of the thing, you can have it in front of you. If that's if that's a crutch you need, like, you know. But you should not be reading it off off screen, you know. Like you should like because like we've all we were all in school together. We all like like had to sit there and like what, listen to other people read out textbooks. Like you know, like you know, it's just it's it's dreadful to listen to. Like you know, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think just ha- just being comfortable with the lines. I, I think that's the same for anyone, even if you're like, acting for live stage as well. If you're going in for an audition or something like that, like it's much yeah. more. It comes brings off much more if like if you have an understanding of the character and what the dialogue is for. And if you have the exact lines down, like, you know, maybe as a writer, I shouldn't be saying that, but. No, sorry, you could say it. Yeah. If you're in my place, you have to know your lines. No, I agree with you. I do agree with you. And <laughs> I also think with the radio stuff, it, it, it's a, maybe template is the wrong word I'm saying, but I think know your lines, but you can be a little bit more relaxed with it. And you, as you said, you, you're alive. Or even if you are alive, you're still, you're still going to be able to kind of glance and see. But I think it's a good, a lot of people do have trouble learning lines for stage pieces. And I am trying to encourage more and more people to kind of get involved and kind of have a go at the likes of this stuff because it will help you in the long run when we do come back around to going for stage plays and auditioning again and reading. So you, well, use the time wisely and use the format and the method wisely because we will be back to normal soon enough, hopefully. And it's a good practice, practice I think, to knock out the kinks and, and get the stream of it down. That makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. 
And I think one thing that is, is very good in radio plays is that once you have your script written, bring that on stage or bring around on audio. So get getting the, the product ready is much more straightforward than than on stage. Because, I mean, you don't need the props, you don't need the costume, you don't need a lot of things. You need a, a good script, you need actors, and then, okay, time, rehearsal, and everything. Sure. But so I think, I, I think that uh, it's very good for, for having a, even to test a script. I can see, like, writing a script, putting it on radio play, and then eventually, in the future, when everything is back to normal, putting it back on. Even when I went back in the good old days, when we could um, go outside, um, <laughs> I, I remember like you'd write, especially when I started out, you'd write a script and then you would hand it, hand it as an actor to read, and they read it back to you, and it's just go like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I wrote those lines!" Like that, yeah. that's, some of that is just like, like how is anyone meant to like say that with any kind of a straight face, you know? So like, and it's because it's a, it's an actor day medium, you need to be able to hear that, like you know, back to you said sure. to you you know um as opposed to prose where it's like that's the way it's going to be read no definitely but take advantage of the moment absolutely absolutely and i'll have you were mentioning more about pieces and you know previous like maybe putting them on as a live action on stage as opposed to radio some of your pieces were fantastic in for shindig pieces in the past we mentioned the trilogy earlier and all that that predated um wine from greenland what about turning those into radio plays though switching them around a little bit do you think you could do it? Do you think you could yeah. box and boxes on the other pieces or make them one cohesive? I was thinking, like, uh, I was thinking, uh, there's one I put on for Shindig. It was uh, the Shindig piece, bec- like, I extended uh, that and that became the first act. And then I did the second, second act. Mm-hmm. So, I'm re- and that could really work for, uh, there's a couple of visual things that I need to think how to translate to radio. But, um, for example, there's a part that a character sits in a chair and there's a whole thing of only him sitting in the chair. So I need to translate that. I don't know if with sound, you know, there's different things you can do it. With sound, you can do it with the characters addressing that he did the action. So, yeah, but I think I I would like to write something for radio. Specifically? because Yeah, because it's like there's, um, there's a lot of things that are particularly from this medium, like yeah. what Johnny was saying, you know, uh, something happens, someone gets killed, all the characters see what happened, but the, the, the listener don't because he cannot see. Yeah. So I, I find that kind of, you, you can play so nicely with that. Yeah, very much. Definitely have a crack at it anyway. Very exciting. What about you, Johnny? What about previous pieces you've done? Any chance of resurrecting them, apart from Hairboil, of course? Yeah, I, I I believe there's I mean um, there's talk about one or two things I've written before that I'd like to adopt. And um, one idea I have going in the in the future is I, I just love the idea of like murder mysteries and stuff like that, especially with radio drama. I, I'd like to do something where you listen to the thing and then maybe kind of fuse it with like some kind of visual element, not like a full on play or anything, but that like say for instance you didn't write a murder mystery and you could just listen to the the play go ahead and that's fine. Sure. Or you could give them like a little map or something else or some extra little clues. So if someone really wanted to kind of get to the, like the finish post before everyone else, you give them those little kind of like an escape room kind of map or something like that. Like, you know, and you can like have a layout of the rooms and you can like give them a breadcrumb or two to get to like the end of the mystery faster. Um, I think that would be a really nice idea to do. Um, but then I'd have to go into the business of start making murder mysteries. So <laughs> that, would, that would be fantastic though. I mean, that would be, 
not only is it visual though it's it's like an all-in-one sound drama everything kind of mixed into one it's all yeah exactly yeah kind of like a choose your own adventure book almost yeah yeah um, but like yeah <laughs> that kind of thing is something i've thought about and that, that what i would like with that is if it would be like episodic but also have an ongoing element so it's the same characters turning up like you know and there's like maybe there's some sort of overarching mystery but yeah. i'm just thinking out loud now but. yeah <laughs> well, well, hey, maybe think that could work even right? yeah 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 that, that that that's certainly something that um renee has come to me in the I said that she she would like to do on the radio. So yeah, that that is something that would work definitely because one of the ideas was that you know you don't see one of the characters at all. It is kind of like a hybrid radio thing. Um, I was going to say it kind of almost fits them all perfectly. You'd have to yeah, yeah. It, but it definitely could work. But go on. Yeah, exactly. And and the nice thing with that is that um, even though we did have a very visual element too of kind of like with a very physical theory in the background in the in the end, I think especially when I was listening to um, Alejandro's piece. It, it, uh, it's funny he said that um, the, the physical theatre looks. I love the transition when they went to green on. It really just brought yeah. you into the piece, and it, it felt like you were going through a tunnel into another world. And yeah, I, I would love to incorporate some of that into it. So very much, and even with hairballs as well. I mean, with, with Charlotte being the the Benfitel, you could it was it was the audience like the kids were really really in character. I mean. But the transition into Greenland, you could feel it too. But I could, thought you could feel it when they discovered a murder weapon. Like, the murder weapon. Like, dun, dun. It was fantastic. I was like, gripped to me. I was like, God, oh, they have nailed this. Really, stuff like that is fantastic. So hopefully we can yeah. see more. It's funny when you were, I was thinking, when you mentioned the fact that, like, you know, the, the dial, like, you have to rely on the dialogue to carry exposition. Like, you know, and it can, it can get a bit boring if someone's just like, you know, it's like, oh, I walked into a room and it was yeah. dark, but I couldn't see anything. Sure. But it's great when, like, you know, you have a detective who just says that anyway, like, you know, so that was kind of cheating away. So, yeah, if you want some advice, just cheat and just have a character break the fourth wall the entire time. We won't call it cheating. Oh, I think fallacy. I think that's what they call it. Accident. Happy accident. I mean, well, radio drama is just, they say it's more suited for monologue. And it probably is if you're just a straight up monologue. For plays where the setting is kind of limited and physical action is not as important or unimportant. Like if you're set inside a prison cell or a box, Alejandro, <laughs> it would work fantastic, you know. So maybe think about <laughs> the box situation. You could have a little radio thing going on with that. <laughs> that is actually something that um, people should consider as well, is that you don't even need other people. You can write yourself a monologue. Absolutely. And, and one of the nice things with radio is that like oh, sure. um, you can, it, it can be designed so that you're talking to the person. Like that, that, that the theater piece is you are the target of the theater piece, you know, that like it's often yeah. a question of like, a soliloquy well who was it being said to um i remember i don't know if you know the other guys um no it wasn't that but it, there was a, a podcast this two ages ago where the idea was like it was a relaxation tape and like as you were you were listening to the relaxation tape and this person was talking to you and then it turned out like it wasn't really a relaxation tape you know okay and um, but that only requires the person to write it and the same person to perform it you know you don't need exactly. anything else than that so very much so they say, I don't know if you've seen the, you know, Fleabag, the series, uh, she did like, it was a play before and the play is actually only her talking. And uh, actually something like that would work so well on, on radio because you have a section where he's talking to the action, to the, to the audience, and then action is happening and she's talking with a second person that we don't hear, but you infer because of the dialogue and just after you said that, Johnny, I think that that kind of format will work very well in, in radio. I'll check that out, Alejandro. I don't know the piece you're talking about, but I will definitely look it up. And I, and I mean, this person in the piece you're talking about was one woman talking to herself, but I was thinking of doing the piece and I was mulling over some ideas of if I can't, you know, if you worse came to worse and you couldn't get someone to do it, you could do the dual roles. I mean, we have fantastic technology now. You can disguise your voice and filter your voice and 
do all sorts. So you can record your parts separately and put them together and have a banter with yourself, a conversation. One woman, one man play two characters or three characters. <laughs> <laughs> this, this entire podcast is actually just Sean. He's just it's just me. I'm fantastic. But I mean, the, the possibilities are endless. I mean, you could you could you could be mm-hmm. here analyzing technology and ways to do it. I mean, we live in a good age. In one sense, in one sense, we live in a horrible age, but in another sense, we live in a fantastic age. <laughs> when we first did um, the first rehearsal for Hard Boiled, um, it was it was interesting because like all the guys were firing like nearly straight away. They were back into like you said their voices. They were straight into like how they were performing. And the only thing I couldn't figure out was like I couldn't really feel settled in as a director. And I thought like, well, it's a new medium and stuff like that. I'm not kind of like really. I'm still getting used to like audition or rehearsing over Zoom or whatever. And it still went through, even though like I knew the play. It's like okay, maybe it's the fact that I know this dialogue so well. I've, I've heard it so often. It's like it, it's hard for me to kind of like come up with feedback. And then I realized it's like no. I have my camera on. I'm just looking at myself and I'm trying to listen to it. But it's like, I, then I thought to myself, what like, essentially what I'm doing is like trying to rehearse a play, a scene. And I put a big mirror in, in the middle of the stage, pointing at me in the director's <laughs> chair, watching just going like this, like, and I was just like, oh, <laughs> just knock the camera off. So, and then it, then it was fine. Then I got sucked in straight away. It's like, great. I made it my own editor. You have five tips for anyone out there listening who is thinking about or currently at the moment putting something together for radio. So uh, I, first thing I would say is a, a good soundscape will always go a mile uh, for any any piece, uh, whether it's on stage or or, or, sound, or radio. Um, a soundscape could just do so much heavy lifting to get you get to the audience to where you need them to be straight away. I think I think one thing I would say is that. Um, just sit down and write write a piece from beginning to end, even if it's not the best piece ever. Then get some actors and start rehearsing. And for me, it happens a lot that the first time I the first draft is it's not great because it's the first draft. Mm. But once you start to rehearse and once you start to hearing, you start to change it, and then is what really comes to life. I mean, never happened to me that I finish a perfect script and I brought it to the actors and it was perfect. We did it. So I would say that just um, don't wait until you have to per- the perfect script to get the actors and start rehearsing. Uh, I would say when you're, when you're coming up with your character's voice, so when you, even when you're starting with the piece, um, really spend some time thinking about how the character talks and what their voice is like. And that can be something as simple as like their vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Like what words they use. Like I, I think a fun exercise for me is to write down like their favorite swear words or like swear words they would never use. You can just learn so much, and then you can start thinking about their education and where they come from and why they use these kind of things. Um, and once you get that nailed down, it, the dialogue flows a lot easier because then you can see where it's like, oh, that's more me talking than it is the character. Yeah, fantastic. One thing I will say: um, the post production. It takes a while to get used to. So I would say, get used to a software. Don't let, don't let that to the last time so that you have the recordings and then use it to learn the software. Start playing. Also, yeah. because there's so much you can do with that. There's so much. And also, by playing with that, you can find tools that can inspire you to certain things or, or on, or, on the play. You know, it's like changing pitches, uh, you can do so many things so it's, it's a tool it's, a, it's another tool so start learning how to use yeah no, definitely 
don't be daunted by it because I'm, I would be someone who would be kind of daunted by technology, especially if it's something I never had used before or any idea. And you'd be surprised. I mean, you can read all the manuals and instructions all you want. Sometimes by just playing around with it and messing around with it and just quite intuitive. Long time, yeah. It really is. You do benefit and you can discover new things that you never thought it existed. Again, not only with pitches and speeds and just ways to record. Definitely. Yeah. So many one thing I would say with that, though, is to set yourself a deadline because Definitely. once you get into that rabbit hole, you can be there all day like going into the minutia of every single second. Like, yeah. and you, you will be surprised how quickly the time will fly away. So if you set yourself a deadline, you'll be much more productive with like getting the stuff that needs to be done inside that time, yeah. uh, particularly with post-production. Oh, like, yeah. One thing I, I had I didn't do in One from Greenland, I think it worked very well, well in, in Hard Boil, was the use of music. It's really powerful, especially in a radio play when it's all audio. So, of course, it has problems of copyrights and stuff, but um, I think it's a powerful tool. Definitely. Yeah, and one thing I would say uh, that worked for Alejandro's piece, actually, as well, um, is if, if, you're ever, if you're ever stuck, or if you're just looking for some inspiration, um, is do what kind of Dostoevsky is famous for doing. Um, thank you, big, great compliment comparing you to Dostoevsky, Alejandro. Uh, but just put your two characters <laughs> in a room together let them bounce off each other they don't have to actually come out with a scene with it but just to get down like he would just put creative characters just like the epitome of one thing and the epitome of the opposite idea and just lock them in a room together and let them tear each other's throats out verbally and you can really just get down to the 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 crux of the scene by doing that um and that's just great entertainment as it is you know definitely fantastic well gentlemen thank you very very much for speaking with us on court and call i can't wait to see what's coming down the line be it radio plays or otherwise so I hope there's some fun and exciting stuff being written. I hope there's a wine from Greenland too. <laughs> definitely. There's definitely room for a sequel in there, Alejandro. So yeah, there's definitely I room really for a sequel. It, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. It, it, it's funny. It's, I, when I started listening to it, it's like, oh, this really reminds me of that film, like My Dinner with Andre. Yes. Yeah, it reminded me of that. It's like, oh, it's because it's Andre and so he's having it dinner. With him. <laughs> <laughs> he's having dinner with him. Yeah, it was all Andre. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Definitely. No, thanks very much. I really appreciate you joining us. Um, we can't wait as well for Arrivals next week, which is going to be our radio play written by Peter Blenner Hassett and directed by the fantastic Shibby Hickey. So stay tuned for that next week on Court and Call. And uh, we bid the gentlemen good night and adieu. Thank you very much, Johnny and Alejandro, for joining us. Thank you. Call. Thank you, Sean, for having us. To your future pieces. Once again, a big thank you to Johnny and Alejandro for sitting down and talking to me on this week's Curtain Call. They provided some great insights and stories behind their creativity, and I really appreciate it. Next week, we have a very good treat for you. Seeing as it's Christmas and all, it's the play Arrivals, which was written by Peter Blenner Hassett and will be directed by our wonderful Shivy Hickey. So we cannot wait for that. We are waiting with anticipation. It's going to be great. I'm really enjoying, and not only me, everyone seems to be enjoying the radio dramas and the radio plays that we are producing. Our listenership is going up by the day, and we are heard in over 24 countries at the moment. So thank you to all of our listeners who are enjoying the pieces. Please continue to do so. And some other good news relating to Court and Call. Come January, we will be broadcasting on the radio, Dublin South FM 93.9. We will have further details on that in the coming weeks. So please stay tuned and keep in touch with No Drama via social media and check out our website as well for further details. Our last workshop of the year will be on Tuesday and it will be the All-Star Workshop. Please check that out if you can as well. That's Tuesday the 15th of December. And a reminder that arrivals will be next Sunday the 20th of December. 
we will be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all your support. And peace out. And as a performer in radio, I think you're aware of that. And that's a, that's a very, very, um, in a way, very personal uh, relationship to the, uh, to the listener. You also get to play a variety of characters that you wouldn't necessarily be, be, be called on to play when your physicality is, 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 uh, is more a part of the process. On radio, you can sort of be anyone that your vocal cords will allow. The way it's all captured and delivered is changed quite profoundly and sort of in a revolutionary way. Mm-hmm.